0: You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SAS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products.
1: Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is
0: Shamik Gosh, the CEO and co-founder at Trustbrace.
2: We take a target, like in a corporate life, we will typically say that we will take three million or four million and I will add 50 percent to that and I will say that this is our target. Let's run with it. I know that we may not achieve that, but it is just that goal, that drive, which gets people singularly focused on the objective there.
0: All right. We are back with another episode of the SaaS Nordic podcast. Happy that you choose to spend some time with us again. Uh, And we also hope that you would like to spend some time with us in just a short while when we are having Sassiest 2023, the big B2B SaaS experience
1: down in Malmö, Sweden. Definitely, it's uh, it's exciting. It's uh, like, I'm starting to be a little bit tired also. (laughs) Are you nervous? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like, you know, when you have this uh, uh, nervous excitement just before you go out on the football pitch for a big game, yeah and that sounds like i played at a high level i have not but a game can still be big (laughs) like just before you go out you're a little bit nervous but that also keeps your like attention level very high that's where
0: i'm at yeah i mean it's great being in that mode when survival mode well when you know you have to perform on your best but it's great fun um If you don't have your tickets yet you should also be a little bit nervous so head over to Cessius 2023 we are running out here and yeah, it's gonna be two jam-packed days of great sessions where you can learn from the best in the industry sharing their experiences Uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun together also we will feed you you will get things to drink we will have a party in the evening there are fun side events so um, read about it and um, yeah it's gonna be a blast we call
1: it The ultimate B2B SaaS experience.
0: All right then. And uh, now we're going to talk to a a really cool guy that has something um, really good uh, going. So uh, let's speak with Shamik. Today we welcome Shamik Gosh, the CEO and co-founder at TrustRace. Here is a guest in the SaaS Nordic podcast. So welcome Shamik.
1: Thank you, Thomas. Shamik, it's, it's really a pleasure to have you here. And again, we, we know you. We've gotten to know you via our CEO network, which we're uh, blessed to have you in. And, you know, by the way, we had a really good discussion in our last session. I pre- appreciate your input there. But maybe some of the listeners on, on this call have not bumped into you before. So why don't you take a few minutes to just tell us about who is Shamik?
2: Yeah, I think I'm the best best kept secret in the sas maybe <laughs> <laughs> not anymore, <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. yeah exactly not for much longer now it's happening now it's happening and not too much weight on me yes uh, yeah, i'm shamik i'm uh, the, i have been living in stockholm for the last 14 years originally from india but have worked across the globe uh, i started in india worked in uh, southeast asia in malaysia singapore Thailand, Vietnam, that region, Uh, was uh, very happy to work in that region, moved to Europe in the peak of the financial crisis, uh, 2008, Uh, uh, was in sales and marketing, sales and business development mainly, uh, but didn't do really well in the first year in Europe, but uh, then moved to 2009 to Sweden. It has been a great time, career in Sweden, working with uh, uh, HCL Technologies and then Global Logic. And 2016, we formed uh, TrustRace. And uh, I think the whole podcast is about TrustRace, so we'll cover that after this.
0: Absolutely. I mean, tell us, how come you started TrustRace? What, what led you into that?
2: So we are four co-founders. Uh, two of us are based in Sweden, in Stockholm, me and Rishikesh Rajan. And uh, uh, we have uh, Madhav and Sarva who are based in India. Uh, We four of us used to work together in uh, Indian IT services company called HCL Technologies. And uh, we were on the engineering product engineering side of that business, not typically selling IT services, but selling software development services or mechanical engineering services to companies such as Volvo, uh, Ericsson, Electrolux, uh, ABB and all. And through that, we used to work together as a unit because we were running some of the big uh, digital transformation programs like ABB's IoT program, like Electrolux Complete Embedded Software Platform, uh, Volvo Cars uh, Next Generation Spar 2 which is the Scalable Performance Architecture platform for Volvo Cars. So that sort of brought us together as a unit uh, there uh, i was sort of the pnl leader based in uh, sweden uh, covering whole of europe and we had madhav as the uh, technology architect as well as program responsible based out of india we had sarva part of the sales support and business and solutioning part of it and uh, rishi as the sales and account management so we in fact had a a company before we were really a company that's why we call ourselves to be the exproners. Uh, proners intrapreneurs converted to entrepreneurs <laughs> there all right uh, there so that's what we, the unit was already in operation before this and in 2016 uh, is when I, I had joined global logic in 2015 and but uh, that time I had also become, uh, joined the MBA program called Triumph. Okay. Uh, and there, somehow I, when I got into the program, I thought that I'm a big shot. I do 25, 30 million worth of business. <laughs> I should have calling card to every, uh, every person there. But I go into the program. I see the coolest people there are the people who are the entrepreneurs there Ah. I said that I have to match it up there (laughs) and we got an opportunity in that MBA program to do something called a capstone which is either you can pick up an entrepreneurial subject or an intrapreneur we picked up entrepreneurial subject it was one doctor myself as a sales guy uh, one uh, embedded software engineer and one lawyer working together and we picked up a business of building a online mark, uh, art marketplace okay selling european street art into uh, uh, asian cosmopolitan cities like uh, singapore hong kong tokyo so effectively selling art as a, a service there in their in the walls there and i was so excited to build that business it was called machine uh, uh, right from picking up the name, right from picking up the artists, uh, street artists from Greece and France and uh, uh, Italy, whom we brought in. We participated in affordable art fair in Singapore and Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very exciting um, experience. But uh, then I also wanted to be a little bit grounded with my new venture. So I said that, OK, I while I have done great things with this MBA cohort, maybe I should go back to my uh, comfort zone to push my limits and that's why i uh, worked started working with uh, uh, rishi sarva madhav uh, rishi and sarva were also already thinking about starting up their own venture okay uh, and so it was just the timing was right right time right place right opportunity kind of a thing
0: you come to them let's sell street art yeah, yeah street art was <laughs> uh, the, it was fabulous
2: because and in fact when we started trustrace we pivoted the idea because what came out of that venture is, so we were selling the, in the online marketplace and all and we had actually sold to three corporates in uh, Singapore, our art as a service model. So you take uh, art, the idea was that 15 new paintings from the same artist, we had four artists involved and we will rotate the paintings in these setups uh, uh, one was a pharma company. One was a bank. Uh, yeah, so it was it was it was quite fascinating. Okay, how do you price? How do you typically get the uh, artist involved? etc. etc. came in there, part of it. Uh, and what came out there is because in art you do not uh, the artist is unknown, so you have to talk a lot about the artist and what has been the story behind that art artist because the story behind the artist actually sells the most than the art also many times there right and uh, then we came up with this idea the provenance in art is a very big problem there and uh, then all this uh, you have all these scams going around across the globe that uh, it's a uh, uh, it is a art which has been misrepresented kind of a thing there. So we brought that idea that maybe at that time, blockchain was very, very hot. We said that maybe I should put this as a blockchain. So we had thought about NFT in certain way. Yeah. It was not called NFT that, at that time. So the initial pivot that we did was we actually said that we were sitting here. We will build up a blockchain platform for the art market so that the author authenticity and the provenance can be stored in one place okay Um, i still remember that uh, rishi and i we went to bukowski's which is the closest that comes to art in stockholm right and uh, spent and presented in fact i don't remember the name but he was very very patient heard everything he said give me show me something prototype and all that kind of thing we went then we also spent time with uh, stockholm auction work Uh, then we also spent this uh, quite a few artists there we went to Copenhagen and there is the the old town we visited the whole art district kind of a thing there it was quite interesting for us some of the good friends that we made in in the art market in Sweden they told us very clearly if you want to take on art first move out of Sweden go to Paris London or New York Uh, make friends with the Sotheby's and the Christie's in some way because it is a very very closed market and uh, you have to move uh, do all these investments there so we said that no one I don't think we can push our family that much so (laughs) let's move the industry so then we pivoted towards uh, food Uh, we then met Paradis uh, and these kind of people and said that hey we can talk about at that time we had the horse meat uh, fiasco which had happened that horse meat was in, and we said that hey You need blockchain because you need to have authenticity and provenance of the products and everything. So that one uh, was there. But somehow we got exposed to the fashion industry and and by chance, uh, and this I will give it to uh, uh, Rishi's uh, persistence on cold emailing. Okay. I think. His email was blocked, I think, four times. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of emails being sent. Yeah, yeah. so he was, and then we got a call or meeting with Eva from Houdini. And we said that this is our idea. She said, hey, you you know what? We are facing some problem because we we cannot travel so much. We're a small company. We need a lot of data from the supply chain. And uh, uh, we as the suppliers really do not share so much amount of data with us. Can you do something? We said, yeah, yeah we can do something. We have we come from the services industry. We said <laughs> yes to everything. And <laughs> we got started. That was a good, fair enough, good problem to say. And that is a time when we also met uh, Philippa K., uh, Ellen Larson from Philippa K. And she had experienced a lot of this uh, because she had a little bit larger team. She was trying to do many of these things. But... Data collection, quality of data was a big challenge for them.
0: Okay, so, so what is the short pitch of what you do now? You mentioned this traceability and fashion. In, in just two sentences, what is the short pitch?
2: I think we have been a traceability platform from the day one, right? So what does traceability simply mean is that you, if you are a any product company, you should know the journey of the product, where the product is coming from, how it has been made, who has made it. So in simple terms, when I say my traceability platform, it does supply chain mapping at a product level, you know who the tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four suppliers are. You know the composition of the product. If it is 50% organic cotton, you know that you have all the evidences behind it Mm. for that. Right. And effectively, you know your product really well, what you are selling. Why this has lost is because in the last 40 years, the in the in the garb of globalization people have outsourced this whole completely now they have lost control and visibility of this whole chain that is what we are trying to bring it back to them
0: okay and you still uh, use blockchain to to store this information
2: not so much blockchain i think as a tech platform we have blockchain implemented but we have to understand the problem with blockchain is People have to adopt it. People have to agree for one of peer-to-peer validation. People should share information seamlessly. There is still a mind, mind block in that one. We have blockchain in some format for mid-size companies who agree to share data with each other. Okay. Uh, but largely an AI, OCR, cloud kind of a platform we are.
0: All right. So um, you mentioned fashion. That's where you ended up when it came to the vertical that you're focusing on. Is there any particular sizes or um, so that that is more suitable for for your offer
2: right so uh, maybe i'll just cover a little bit longer what the journey part of it so when we start so if you take this traceability data right now traceability is a very core i would say infrastructural data now you can deploy it for customer communication transparency you can say hey mom i have got an awesome supply chain Like like asker does right like residus does they say it it is not a sweater you're buying you're buying workmanship or artisanship from these 15 people right that kind of a store that is customer communication second came the wave in which people said i want to commit like adidas said that nine out of my ten products should be sustainable by 2025 now they need a lot of data to process where to produce what to produce, how to produce kind of a thing. So they needed traceability data again. Then came the third generation, third wave now that we are seeing is regulations. Now you see so many new regulations coming that uh, about climate, about uh, uh, forced labor and all. So that is driving. So in in the world of traceability itself, we have moved from a consumer tech to a sustainability tech to a regulatory tech now. Right. So that is that is the beauty of vertical SaaS, because we are focusing only on one industry using the same data, you solve multiple problems uh, in in that one There.
1: OK, so th- does the just on, on that last piece, is there a regulation, for example, in EU that says by if you're a fashion company by year X, you need to have this minimum amount of, of traceability data attached somewhere so people can essentially i guess somehow look it up the customers can look it up
2: so traceability is a broad direction and theme given to that but under the new eu textile policy there is a significant focus towards sustainable product and circular product right and you cannot i say a simple thing that you cannot be sustainable without traceability but with just by investing in traceability doesn't mean that you will be sustainable right kind of a thing so it is an essential component of it because if you want to have sustainable product, you need to know your bill of production and bill of production.
0: Cool. What could you share about the size of your operation when it comes to ARR, growth rate, customers, employees, and so on?
2: Yeah, so we are around. Uh, uh, we have got around fifty plus brands across the globe, uh, and these are brands which are right from very big, big like uh, uh, Adidas, Decathlon, Uniqlo, Fast Retailing uh these kind of large brands to in fact the early customers that we had like houdini philippa k smaller brands yeah most of the time but all of them have sustainability and uh, regulation as a big theme okay Uh, we are very strong when it comes to sports and outdoor segment uh, thanks to adidas decathlon brooks all these kind of companies we are building up a good strength in high street fashion and fast fashion and now we also in luxury there Around 3 million uh, uh, in ARR was the exit last uh, uh, end of 2022. I think we'll exit this quarter close to around 3.5 million ARR. uh, There we are growing quite well around 3x year on year in ARR. Uh, We also have got a services component which goes tags and typically in terms of little bit of consulting, little bit of implementation, little bit of uh, onboarding and training of suppliers uh, that we do uh, there.
0: And how many employees are you? We are
2: around 110 employees, around 85 of them in India, around 20 in Sweden and one in France and one in U.S. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> and, and how's your operation funded?
2: So we uh, initially, so we have raised uh, capital uh, both through grants as well as uh, VCs uh, there. Uh, initially we were supported uh, for the first two three years by, by vinova and also some corporate grants c- coming from zalando and all then uh, we got the seed round which was done in 2019 backing minds came on board uh, they were they have been excellent supporters of us hmm. uh, and we, we we feature in the pitch of sarah Wimmerkranz in in dragon naset me and rishi are there for five seconds okay <laughs> <laughs> so we are we, we are a national television
1: <laughs> yeah so you're not a, a well kept secret and like you like you've been out there publicized
2: yeah our face is there but our names do not reach and uh, then we had the uh, uh, we were joined uh, by Industry then and Fairpoint Capital, uh, two good names. Hadar, uh, Anna and that at uh, that point of time, Rebecca Rida was uh, there in Industry Fund. Yeah. So three of them joined uh, in in 2021 through the Series A.
0: Yeah. And how much of the company is still with you and the uh, the rest of
2: the founders? The founders still own more than sixty percent, just uh, a little bit higher than sixty percent, uh, and there. And we have a very good, rela- good board equation where we are able to uh, discuss, debate, and, and move on. And I think with the investor, and I think this I have to give it to the Swedish uh, investor, it is it is so much of uh, discussion and lagom kind of a thing that everybody should feel comfortable with it. It is uh, coming from India at some point of time, I really prefer that little bit of uh, disagreement should be good. Okay. <laughs>
1: We're going to come to that and dig around a little bit in that topic in just a few moments. But uh, what's really interesting for us is we've heard it obviously from you a little bit and also from some of your investors that you guys, when you set off here, you really wanted to build a true global company. And you talk about having a true global mindset. What does that mean?
2: So think about it. I will just put it our first pitch to Vinova, right? Uh, Vinova, we made the pitch with the customer, uh, which is so it was us, Eva and Ellen going there. We made the pitch in English. We said that hey, our Swedish is not so good and uh, we spoke about uh, solving a global problem that is the foundation of of where we started right? right we did not say that we'll solve a swedish problem we'll solve a european problem and all we said it's a global problem there are purple rivers in in india we want to eradicate that
1: right right so from day from day one you presented as our market is the world exactly. not like exactly. okay and this this was already when you were looking for The initial grant, I suppose.
2: Initial grant also because we said that because we were looking for a certain profile of customers. We were looking for sustainability leaders for whom control of the supply chain matters. Now, you can only have four or five such companies in Sweden, but... Then you can have a Patagonia and a group of companies in the U.S. You can have a similar set of companies in Asia also, right? Right. So we were looking for that profile. So we had to be very global. Yeah. And also because of the founding team being two in Sweden, two in India, we were leveraging uh, the strengths of both of these geographies, right? Where in India, you typically get a lot of young talent, very energetic. They will. They are the doers. Don't give me... so. If the session, if, if, if the uh, ideation goes beyond three hours, they said that don't stop talking. We'll let us code something and make something. Right. And you had a strong academic presence, strong focus on understanding the customer problem in Sweden. So we leveraged this too really well. And we built a global business. In a certain way, I think we have been successful. We can call us that we have got customers from Japan to West Coast. <laughs> so we are 24 by 7.
1: PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. MyNewsDesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. MyNewsDesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. I
0: mean there, there are some companies here in the Nordics that you know have their main operation here, and then they might have a development center in India or in some other geography. But in your case. It's not like that. You, you have more or less a full operation in both these locations. So could you tell us a little bit of how that works and, you know, challenges and opportunities in that kind of setup?
2: Yeah. Let me cover first the, the pluses of it and there's significant pluses to it. First of all, within the company itself, you know how to work with your colleagues right and colleagues being in two different time zones, uh, four and a half hours or three and a half hours depending upon the the summer time kind of a thing there is 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 the operating model you are distance wise so far away that you cannot meet every day so you have to align through virtual means uh, uh, from the uh, from get go and in our case we did not say that we'll move the engineering to india or product to india yes it happens that most of the engineering most of the product happens of india but we have product and engineering in sweden also so it's not a cost saving exercise it it is i would say it's an overall operating model wise you have got cost benefits right but you don't start that way you have to get the work done fundamentally right and you have to get the work done in a world-class manner you are because you are competing against the world class players yeah that is the mindset right and we believe bringing in the right talent from because good talent is available everywhere but you have to bring them into the operating model you cannot just say you are an outsourcing or you are an engineer i will dictate you do you want engineer to come with full it, you don't want the soul to stay out and only the hands to work you want the full of uh, that person to be in the work because that is problem fundamentally as scale up startups we are problem solvers problem solving does not happen by coding problem solving happens by why i am coding what should i do that part of it right there. so we we uh, have uh, done that Obviously, there's challenges because there's a significant cultural difference between uh, uh, Sweden and India and also our customers and us kind of thing many times because now we have got U.S. customers who the way they want to think, they want to move is much faster than Sweden. Also, India is in a different ballgame uh, there. Uh, we do that, overcome that by a lot of travel between the locations, What what is allowed in the business. So we get people to travel from Sweden, from Europe to India from India to U.S. And in fact, that has been an eye-opening experience for me because when I used to do that in my past life, it was very, very formal. We will typically go, or oh, you meet two people, 10 people. It was very, very choreographed. Uh, you only meet. Right. Whereas in Trust trace, nothing is choreographed. We say that you go to India, you figure out what you want to do there. Or in, uh, people from India, you come to Sweden, you figure out what you want to do in the two weeks that you are here. And then it is very organic, right? People will go, people like our last group of people who went from Sweden to India, they were invited to a, somebody's wedding. <laughs> they went, they wore sari, they danced, right? It it just, then the people to people connect happens. So when they collaborate now, it is very different there. Right. And it is, and one thing that we have done there is the founders do not, or execs do not get and try to say, these are the 15 things you want to do first you connect you will figure out and now we see that they come and say that hey you we want 15 things to be done this way you just ensure that you are supporting us don't give us orders so it is very organic then uh, right and this is super important for us to understand i say that uh, people talk about diversity and inclusion Our teams have forced diversity and inclusion on us. (laughs) It is nothing to be, we do not need to have a policy for it. It is already there (laughs) for us.
1: Right. And uh, I think that's, that's fascinating and, and great to hear that, you know, you build this global team with where you have also multifunctions in, in both the regions, but what have some of been some of the, the really big challenges that you had to overcome or, where you and the other founders had to step in and, and like maybe like say, hold on a little bit, this is not working?
2: So first thing is alignment. So I think uh, when you are a startup, you get today, you will get exposed to something and you just re- see that as a window of opportunity. You want to execute really faster. You want to get going on it. For us to move the ship, which is multi-geography, takes a little bit of more time we have to do a lot more communication and four of us being in four different locations also at time initial days and now you have the execs also in in uh, five six locations different locations then it takes a little bit longer we are getting better at it because now we are trying to say that let us focus on the objective and then align everything else uh, there uh, that has been a big challenge, and also I think because us coming from the services mindset to moving into a product or B two B sales mindset, while we were moving on uh, and we were also learning faster, it to percolate across the organization is difficult. Like last year when we took really hard, uh, 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 significant goal that we will try to be, make it more product led, it was a very difficult thing for us to do because the the engine of growth was still sales and our approach towards customer co-creation there right so uh, it has been uh, a challenge but uh, yeah it's still there i'm saying that i think it and, and it is going to go up more and more because now we have got uh, bruno in france we have got Apoor in us uh, it is just a, a Frankly speaking, I have I don't have a formula to solve it. I will give it to the team that you figure it out and tell, uh, tell us how to do that. Right.
0: All right. So, is there any cultural things that, I mean, you having lived in Sweden for 14 years and, I'm, I mean, with an Indian background I'm working with a big Indian team, uh, anything there that you would like to highlight?
2: No, I think uh, uh, one thing that I have really enjoyed is, uh, of course, uh, in Sweden, you have a lot of depth. But I think uh, something that we bring from India side the the fast pace of moving, right? Yeah, it is not perfect, but it is progress. Let's just move on, and we will figure it out, right? And I think this I think is a, has been a mid middle way. Like in India, they want to maybe they want to uh, think ten percent and ninety percent is doing in in sweden it is 90% uh, thinking and 10% doing we we have agreed uh, 50% thinking 50% doing in between <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, okay and how do you, how do you merge that you know how do you tell either side of this equation that mm. you, you got to move to the 50 50 equation here because it's like technically unnatural because it's it's you know it's in our cultural heritage to be one way or another
2: so that is where I think we, we I put my sales hat and I said that the D de- I have got the purchase order we have to deliver it. <laughs> <laughs> because if you find between all of them if you just put that external side to it right if you put customer there and customer mindset customer thinking there that now hey we have won this deal uh, there. So there is a positive uh, uh, pressure you put on the team there because then they say oh now we have to solve this problem and it is Uh, sitting in front of us uh, there. Right, Uh, right. And we have been, and I have been doing that um, uh, good or bad, I don't know. Only time will tell. We take a target, like in a corporate life, we'll typically say that we will take uh, uh, 3 million or 4 million and I will add 50% to that and I will say that this is our target. Let's run with it. I know that we may not achieve that, but it is just that goal, that drive, which uh, gets people singularly focused on the objective there.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I was also curious a little bit coming back to what you said, uh, being for founders, you know, having the teams and the cultural uh, differences, you have turned that into a benefit, a muscle, so to say. I'm also curious, though, like being four founders with somewhat equal say. Is that always good or or is there a clash sometimes?
2: Inside story, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we signed up to this, right? Uh, we call this to be the four legs of the chair, right? One chair cannot be back uh, smaller, or one leg cannot be smaller than the other one or shorter than the other one. It has to be equal. We will work together. It also means that you have to hash it out every time right which also means the way we manage conflicts in the organization is also on similar times we never say executive you are right or wrong let's debate let's discuss so it creates a culture of a healthy debate living with disagreements but still respecting each other as individuals right and that and that flows in and uh, we call this the Indian joint family syndrome <laughs> because you live together, you eat together, you have one kitchen, you don't, your cuisine, you don't know when it will be served your, the, your, um, uh, your like, uh, favorite food. But you just exist together and you may not talk to everybody every day, but uh, you know that uh, there is an equation which is existing there.
0: So, Shamik, do you have any tips from companies that that really want to have this global mindset from the beginning?
2: Yeah, I think most of the companies if in the software space are coming with their thinking. It is just that when they're forming the team and uh, putting it in action, they look very local, uh, um, their own backyard kind of a thing. But yeah, it is good to do that because you initially want more feedback from the customers. But think global is good and because... It just opens up and I think the growth possibilities are immense because as uh, the GDP growth potential shows globally, I think in, uh, other parts of the world outside Europe or outside US are growing much faster. Mm. And the way these uh, these uh, demographies are acting, are very very interesting uh, and i'm just keeping in mind how what is happening in india where you have got average ages 28 people are always mobile first mm. data first they're consuming in a very different manner uh, it puts an immense opportunity in our hand both talent wise as well as market
1: wise right i mean if we would be to flex our own muscles a little bit i think we, like you'd been impressed uh, shamik we are i don't know depending on how you count 10, 12 folks here that are trying to uh, grow uh, SAS Nordic. Uh, whereas Thomas and myself and uh, one more gentleman sits in Sweden. And Thomas, everybody else sits uh, across the world. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: <laughs> Sweden has been known as the country which has been very globalized early on. Because I remember when I was growing in India... I used to think SKF is an Indian company. <laughs> okay. For a very long time. Only when I moved to Sweden I, I started went to the SKF headquarters in Gothenburg I understood oh my god <laughs> because it is if you go to India SKF Atlas Copco in fact in from Denmark Danfoss and Grundfoss, the way they are operating models in India is it seems that they are local companies. Uh, which is perfect. It and uh, and it has been proven by true caller and all of these guys also uh, that they can do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what is in the future here, the next few years for race?
2: Hopefully, more growth, <laughs> good quality growth, <laughs> and living up to the uh, the 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 promise of global uh, team, global mindset, and global growth. Yeah. No. I think, uh, uh, as I said, because the date, as we are a traceability company, but we see more and more use cases coming for the data that we are collecting. Yeah. Uh, we are growing quite fast, strong tailwinds coming from regulations uh, there. Uh, US is, we, I'm very, very excited about US this year and the coming uh, two, three years because I think uh, when US gets moving, it just uh, <laughs> moves on very fast. Of course, there's challenges of uh, uh, in the u.s market but i think i'm very positive about it we also are looking at our, uh, our platform to become a little bit more multi-vertical not that we'll take on five or six different verticals but at least one or two mm. we'll expand into okay and also we'll bring much more product depth to it uh, as of now we are focusing on traceability but we'll also focus on circularity which is post sale uh part of it there gotcha uh, quite a few things uh, so which means that we will be uh looking at um, New capital rounds, uh, new ta- uh, more talent in coming years. There. All
0: right. So now you have the community tuning in, listening here. So, is there anything you would like to have help with um, right now?
2: Uh, quite a lot, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, first of all, I think uh, talent. Uh, if I just want to start with anybody who is, has got, uh, and we will, we have been posting a new job descriptions about in the sassiest of jobs also about new uh, uh, go-to-market partnerships uh, building that that whole organization because we have been largely direct sales that one account management uh, we call it business development and business consulting but it effectively a good strategic consultant who can work with our customers to define their traceability program Uh, i think many of these jds are in there talent is important and even if you have got uh, some specific talent which you believe is relevant for us please ping us uh, we do not we are we are we, we do not know everything what we need but we will figure it out <laughs> there hmm. we look uh, for good global talent there uh, other areas is that uh, also call out for custom uh, also for companies who are playing in the space if we can do some kind of a partnership to because we are seen as the silicon valley of sustainability in in sweden mm, i like that so we should live up to that uh, expectation and try to have more ecosystem uh, play together because we'll
0: flourish together much better there and uh, who would you like to see on the show who should we bring
2: that would make you excited to listen I think from Sweden, you should really... I don't know if you've got people like Matthias and all from Dokonomi. We haven't had him. Yeah, Matthias is there. Then also the Normative uh, uh, guys. Uh, They're very, very cool. They're doing very good work there. It could be Nordic, yes, but it could also be international. And international, I think our North Star is... uh, Ecoward is from France okay and ascent compliance from Canada okay they are the unicorns or the, the in the sustainability tech tech space so we really want to
1: understand that they have built some very fabulous business okay so we might be going to Canada. Or Canada might be coming on the <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah,
2: same, same latitude, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> you, you, as, as, as we were discussing, uh, Sweden has the latitude advantage. We can cover so much of the latitudes. We can always say we are in the, from the same latitude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but, well, it
0: was great uh, having you here, Shamik. Thank you for sharing your experiences. And uh, see you soon. See you around.
2: Pleasure, pleasure. And great work by you guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Take care now. So Daniel, what's your
1: takeaways from the episode today? I got the feeling if, throughout the conversation that you know uh, he's been a, a very curious and courageous founder. He had an idea and he dared to go for it and he dared to change and so on. And I think that's a, such a true characteristic uh, for many successful uh, companies. You have to like really believe in an idea but you also have to have the courage to (laughs) drop it or change when you realize that shit, this is not going to work out at least not the way I had envisioned it. So I think a lot of how he explains what they do and so on they run this business with, with passion and with a lot of courage and the rest will somehow come to pieces. I thought that was uh, like inspiring to listen to. I like what
0: he said about, you know, wanting to have people on the team that is not just, uh, you know, um, going into it with their hands but their souls uh, no matter, you know, where they are in the world. So they want to build that culture everywhere. So people, you know, feel that they are invested and that they have a say in what's happening. It's just not everything going top down, you know. It felt that they worked a lot with giving people the mandate and
1: responsibility to, to really affect what they are doing. Right, right. Yeah, no, that was that was very interesting. And they have a trust race culture that trumps the geo cultures. Yeah. Which I think is important. Absolutely trust the race trust the race <laughs> there you go how about our race here to the end of this episode
0: yeah it's really a race uh, right into the what do you say the finish line here and we are closing up on it and uh, stay tuned uh, about more more uh, you know news about this sassiest event but uh, i mean there is a life after that as well and uh, we have, for instance, our Slack community. I hope you are a member. It's open for anyone working operational in the B2B SaaS company. Uh, you can head over to saasnology.com and you can see that. And you can also see all the thought leadership material created by the community. A lot of good stuff being published in there as well. There you can also find information about our different network groups under the um, menu community. We have the CEO network where Shamik also is a part of with 100 plus B2B SaaS CEOs. We have the executive networks in eight different categories and we also have the
1: female founder network. So something for everyone. Something for everyone. That's, That's who we are. Equal opportunity for anybody and everybody.
0: That was some nice closing words from you, Daniel. Um, Well, let's continue to work. And thank you for listening today. See you around.